0: Hello, and welcome to the Leaders Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on yet another lovely and sunny day in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Jill Thomas, Managing Director of Future Life Wealth Management. Jill, hello. Hello there. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast today. We've got a lot to cover and not a lot of time, so we might as well dive straight in. What does the word leader mean to you?
1: To me, it is uh, a person who is a focal point, who sets a tone and a pace for not only a business, but also it can be also in the community. Mm.
0: So a well-rounded uh, individual.
1: Absolutely. And it's somebody who needs to be in a situation of being aware What is not only going on in their industry, but locally and also worldwide and the influences that actually affect not only their clients, but also their staff and their community around them.
0: And uh, your firm very much is aware of the influences uh, that establish uh, are established around your community and your industry. Uh, you founded uh, your company in the middle of the financial crisis. Now, it Absolutely. doesn't sound it doesn't sound like a great time for a wealth management firm to come into being. What were you thinking? <laughs> Many
1: have asked, and I asked myself on a few occasions. I remember a, a, a tremendous statement made to me. Jill, we're heading towards recession. You shouldn't start your business. And I came out with the most incredible response, which just turned around and said, I have decided not to participate in a recession. (laughs) There is never a good time and never a bad time to actually start a business. Planning is absolutely key. And for me, um, I was able to negotiate contracts at that point in time that possibly I couldn't have got when the economy was slightly more robust. So I don't think... Um, timing is relevant, I think planning is key
0: excellent. so a good leader can get good results, no matter what the climate being able Absolutely. to because of course there's opportunities that you can exploit in that situation that you wouldn't be able to in in a different in a different one, which is very uh, very uh, interesting
1: yeah i, I don 't think you know we're heading towards a, a post brexit environment and I've encouraged the companies that I work with to actually focus on the good that we can actually get out of this and actually manage what is perceived as being issues, but put those into the planning to make sure we don't disregard them. But we actually make sure we manage them in a way that the good stuff that we're actually looking at can be focused on and we can exploit as a team
0: going forward. Now, let's get back to your team. As a leader, how do you motivate them?
1: Um, I think it's very important that I set a tone. I give them direction. I show them from my own ability, my expectations of them. And one of the things I will always do, if I'm coming in the office, I will always arrive before them. If I'm leaving, I will always read after them. It might be two or three minutes after that, but it's understanding the importance of, 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 of investing in yourself, I encourage them to actually take their exams. I pay for all their exams so they better themselves. And the one thing I have learned very early on, to to, to be a good leader, you must not be frightened in actually employing people that are better than you. They enhance your brand, and I think that is fundamentally important. When I started the company, the one thing that was the difficulty was actually finding the people that would join a new company back in 2008-9. And over time, when we have produced the goods, we are profitable, uh, we've won awards, it has been far easier for us to actually go and attract that talent. But it's then important to continue to nurture them and look after them in a way and find out What motivates them to better themselves. And that to me is fundamental as a leader. It's not all about you. It's about investing across a broad spectrum of individuals where different things motivate them. But as a cog together, all of them make the wheel that makes a team that is progressive and can produce the goods
0: in the longer term. You're absolutely right. It's so important to invest in the uh, the future, the next generation of businesses. Um,
1: and I think what's fundamental in, in our industry is when you look at financial advisors, average age of 58 years of age. You know, we we used to create jobs through the insurance companies and then we're in the situation where they have been offshored a lot of those jobs. We are having to bring in talent at 16, 17 and 18 year olds on apprentices to bring them into an industry and give them a future. Otherwise, an industry here in financial planning would be actually dying.
0: What is your advice uh, to a 16-year-old who's interested in coming into your field?
1: Um, I, I would gladly encourage anybody, um, even if it's for during the apprentice period for uh, a couple of years, to actually understand the, the meaning of money, what debt is, what interest rates are, the education that they can actually obtain during that period of time is absolutely immense. And I believe we are setting up rounded individuals that understand um, the financial world that are out there. It is still alarming to me that people come out of school and have had no true experience of financial matters that don't even understand the difference between compound and simple interest. You know, that's one of the first things we teach them coming through here we can actually give them a very good sounding in their future financial matters, if nothing more. And most of my youngsters that have come in, they stay because we actually give them a future career and a
0: path. Would you like to see a a better amount of this in schools?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've regularly gone in um, to both um, um, schools and also further education trying to be in a situation of supporting the education mechanism there and helping to educate people on financial matters. To me, it should be a mandatory thing within the education process that we we, we our youngsters leave um, with a knowledge. But then what do we do? We take them off to university. They create massive amounts of debt, which actually defies what we're trying to do. We're trying to to, to get them on that stepping stone Without debt provision, that they can go into um, uh, uh, into an employment process.
0: Absolutely, it is a, it is a concerning issue. Uh, the amount of student debt that there is there uh, in this country, and let alone in, in my own in in the United States. Um, mm-hmm. Before we go, because we need to go very soon. Um, what leaders inspire you?
1: i um, from a political point of view, and, and um, I would say as a child growing up, I remember seeing Margaret Thatcher on the platform, not for her politics, but seeing a lady actually um, being able to put herself forward. And it allowed me to understand that I could actually have a career beyond just maybe an administrator. But there was a a, a lady who built um, the Open Air Theatre down in Cornwall. And she was a Derbyshire lady. She was in her eighties, she went and built a theatre on the side of the cliffs.
0: It's amazing. In Cornwall.
1: And on the back of that, at Minack, um, there was um, things that would come from the sea, and she would take those up the cliffside, and she would build that. Now there is one truly, truly inspirational lady Absolutely. who saw a vision. And it's those kinds of people that are probably not the most well-known, but they are inspirational to me.
0: Well, I, I have been there as well, and it is astounding how she managed to do, to do that. It's a, it's an amazing physical feat. Um, just yep. before we go, what does next 12 months have in store for Future Life Wealth Management?
1: Well, we're looking forward to this. We've just brought online two new financial planners. Both of them we have, um, built internally through our processes that are now going out um, and uh, looking after clients. Um, over the last, since, since we started the business in uh, 10 years ago, we've seen growth at about 30% per annum on the, on the net line per annum on that basis. And we're estimating that it will be that or, or slightly higher over the next 12 months. We believe in a post-Brexit environment uh, in the advice process that it will be um, very advantageous to her. And we're really looking forward to the next 12 months.
0: Well, Jill, we have to have you on to hear more about it when that comes about. Um, It's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you. And I very much look forward to having you on the show again. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was Jill Thomas, Managing Director of Future Life Wealth Management. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Lord Blunkett.
2: Uh, we're joined uh, today by uh, David Blunkett, Lord Blunkett, former Home Secretary, former Education Secretary. David, thank you very much for joining us today. You're very welcome. Uh, it's always a pleasure, but uh, since we are talking around the theme of leadership, it would be a remiss of me if we didn't start with the leadership election going on in the Labour Party. Apart from, I'm sure your delight that a certain someone is leaving a post, what are your thoughts on it so far?
3: Well, I think the party membership have got to make a very clear decision. Uh, Are they in in the stands watching or are they on the pitch playing? And if they want to play, then the two candidates that are in for the future are Lisa Nandy and Keir Starmer. I'm personally backing Lisa because I think she's a brave woman with a tremendous amount to give. She's got really good, positive ideas. I like them because they're about building from the community rather than command and control from the centre. They're about a new form of social democracy and socialism rather than trying to replicate a failed past. And she can reach out to people that others can't. So I'm, I'm giving her my backing. I think Keir Starmer is very professional, mm. very able, and presents extremely well. And I, I hope that one of those two... Uh, actually come through in the election on the 4th of April. Uh, There has been a lot of criticism, especially from
2: uh, four candidates a little further left um, than them, who've criticised even the last Labour
3: uh, uh, government as being part of 40 years of Thatcherism. Yes, I think it's really unfortunate, uh, particularly when new MPs come in, having seen large swathes of their colleagues lose their seat... Uh, to roll up the 13 years of Labour government with everything that I'm so proud of. I mean, we we were not neoliberals or anything like it. We were able, in the first 10 years certainly, uh, which I played a part in, to be able to turn the economy around, to invest in health and education, to be able to transform people's aspirations and their hopes for the, the future. And that included ensuring people got the minimum wage, which we never had before, Sure start to nurture youngsters from the most moment they were born, transformation in the quality of education. And all these things actually add up to helping people to improve and change their lives for the better. And anyone who thinks that's not good and that isn't a government to be proud of needs to answer the question, what chivalet is it that you would want that would actually have done more to change those lives? I can think of two or three myself in terms mm. of... Uh, dramatically taking on uh, inequality, although half a million children were taken out of poverty in those years. I can think of being even tougher on crime, even though I was dubbed as one of the tougher home secretaries because the people that I cared about most were on the whole, not exclusively, but mainly the victims of crime. I can think about taking on the very, very rapidly growing transnational power of the big tech tech companies which we still need to work through in terms of how we do that from a, a single nation just off the coast of Europe and how we work internationally without getting caught up in wars we don't want to be involved in but how how are we international in a way that ensures that we play our part in making a better life for humanity as a whole rather than disengaging and becoming alien from the rest of the world. Those are big questions for the social democratic left, particularly with artificial intelligence and robotics changing the world of work forever, I think, in the next 20 years. Uh, An ageing population. Labour got 18% of the over 65 vote in the general election. Just 18%. It's staggeringly... It's extraordinary. ...staggeringly bad. Um, And And climate change, which we all know is going to be either a big gain or a terrific political trauma. We've got to take people with us.
2: No matter uh, which political party it is, the changes that will occur in this decade especially will determine their future ideologies. certainly. And spe- speaking of your time uh, as home section in government, um, you worked with so many different individuals of all political stripes and none at all. Is there someone, and on the theme of leadership, that stands out to you that embodies some of those qualities you described earlier? Yes,
3: I mean, uh, it's on the theme of bottom up it was some of the most inspiring uh, head teachers and classroom teachers who in really really difficult circumstances were actually transforming the life chances of children by inspiring those children to want to learn to if you like lighting a candle inside them uh, giving them a, a a window on the world which created an inquiring mind and an understanding that the world was their oyster, that they could do things with support. My, my philosophy has always been mutuality and reciprocity. We, we need mutuality to support each other. We need reciprocity in terms of understanding that we don't just take. We, we give a lot as well. And I suppose that really comes down to uh, if you're prepared to do something for yourself, we're prepared to do something to help you. And that's fundamentally in education but it is in all sorts of walks of life as well. So you can have innovation, you can have entrepreneurship and creativity in in business, you can have the way in which people turn things around for themselves. Small businesses have done that, the contribution to uh, new ways of doing things, of thinking differently about our economy. Th- those are all grit to the mill. Those are the things we need to do. And we can do them together. It's not that you're on the side of... The devil if you're an entrepreneur or you're on the side of the angels if you work in public services. We, we are mm. dependent on each other.
2: Uh, you can't have one without the other. Yes. Um, and I think to coin it, um, uh, uh, extraordinary, ordinary people, and especially when it comes to giving your answer, David, to uh, teachers, to carers, people that honestly don't get the recognition they deserve on a day-to-day basis. And without them, half of society wouldn't function
3: completely i I call it civil society which functions even when government isn't functioning it's what it's the glue that holds things together it's people working and living and having their being together and recognizing that they are dependent on each other i've obviously met incredibly inspiring leaders in a different vein i was very fortunate to have met nelson mandela three times uh i met Bill clinton a number of times both of whom in very, very different ways, were inspiring leaders. I've met people in leadership positions who couldn't take a decision to save their lives. Uh, Tony Blair famously said in his conference speech the year before he stood down as prime minister, and I, I knew exactly what he meant, he said the worst ministers are those who won't take decisions, and anyone in a leadership role needs to A, know why they're there, what they intend to do with the authority that goes with being a leader and a manager, and then how to draw people in as a team to be able to implement it so that it's a team approach. It's not someone out on a white charger. It's someone who can mobilise, motivate, provide incentives for people to feel that they're part of the solution as well. Uh,
2: And I think whether it's politics, whether it's business, whether it's sport, it's exactly those qualities that you need to succeed in any of them.
3: Yes, it is. And if people recognise that, And they have a clear idea themselves. They they have and build, because you can't build, leadership qualities. They know how to manage their own time and their own emotions because we all, from time to time, feel like really losing our temper. And I don't pretend for a minute over the years (laughs) that that I haven't. How how to control your own feelings and emotion and how to bring the best out in other people's, How, how you work out that people who are really good don't threaten you they compliment you people who have complementary skills to you are really valuable and i suppose the ability to listen not just for its own sake mm-hmm. but to listen because you are conglomerating i suppose you would call it plagiarizing thoughts ideas ways forward from everyone around you i often think that um, Football managers wouldn't do too bad a job if they actually talked to the fans after the game.
2: Well, everyone knows, uh, David. You know, you're a big Sheffield Wednesday fan. It I know. Can't be easy having to hear the it, praise of Chris Wilder and Sheffield United every week after. No, week.
3: I, it isn't. Although it's damn good for Sheffield, so I'm being a bit magnanimous at the moment. It's very about good about Sheffield United in the Premier League because it it it's change. It does change. It lifts the image of the. City internationally, if you're not just because it's Sheffield United, but because if you're playing Liverpool uh, and you're playing Man City, then that's a global audience. You're immediately beamed across the world. So, that's good. I, I, I could cry sometimes. We can we can beat uh, Brighton, Premier League side in the FA Cup at Brighton. We can beat Leeds at Leeds. I was there when we beat them 2-0 in January and then you can lose and then five you nil lose five 0 at home to Blackburn and half the fans were out of the ground by by the half time. What, what would
2: a manager blanket say in this situation? I
3: I would have asked myself a very simple question: What went wrong with motivating those players so that when they came out on the field, they walked instead of ran? They didn't have any of the passion they'd had the week before at Leeds. They showed no drive an incentive to take hold of the game what what went wrong with the same players who'd played very well the week previously and if you could answer that question and uh, there may have, something may have happened who knows something during the morning before the game started something may have gone sour You get the answer to that question and you then start to ensure that we never, never do this again.
2: Well, I'm a Chelsea fan, so I'm beginning to feel your pain at the minute. Um, (laughs) But I would like to pick up on another point you just made, actually, David, about choosing a strong team, people that complement you. A lot of criticism that uh, Theresa May got as Prime Minister was that she tended not to pick, perhaps, the more ambitious, the more uh, 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 ministers that might well challenge her. One of Boris Johnson's, for all his faults, uh, he has been said in the past, he's a man that picks people that are good at their briefs. Do you agree with that? Well, I'll
3: reserve judgment on that until I see the outcome of the reshuffle, which, as we record this podcast, has not yet happened. Mm. And I imagine, I, I would be very surprised if he didn't have quite a brutal reshuffle, not just to get people in who he likes, but people who... Are going to be really sparky and able and clear at doing the job because you can have all the best ideas in the world, you can pronounce on what you're going to do. But if you haven't got leaders in those departments prepared to do it, if they're just toadies, by the way, and there is a tendency, a new Mm -hmm. prime minister, large majority, got to be very careful that you don't pick people because you're receiving the echo of your own voice uh, when you're speaking to them. But get able people in. I, I, I won't comment on some of the less able, but there are <laughs> clearly in the cabinet, as I speak at the moment, people who are really just not up to it. I mean, incidentally, anyone who won't be cross-examined by decent journalists on the BBC, changed their minds recently about mm-hmm. Sky, <clears throat> isn't worth their salt. If, but part of being cross-questioned is to demonstrate to yourself that you've got a grasp of your brief that you believe in it, and that you can persuade people of it. And if you can't do that under real cross-examination rather than sitting on the sofa for a, mm-hmm. a, a, an easy morning television program, get out of the business. You know, don't, don't do Without it. Without a
2: doubt. Yeah. Uh, that's, and also, I should add, that is how these uh, all stripes earn that respect in the first place.
3: But there is a question, isn't and there? And try and answer the questions. That's, <laughs> that's what I always try to answer the or questions. Or be very good at avoiding them. Either way. Um, oh well, the, the way of avoiding them is to take it head on and say, "I'm I'm not going to answer that question. Explain why."
2: Quite. Uh, <laughs> the um, and I think one of the great things about uh, the Leeds Castle, especially, is that um, it takes and talks to people again from all different backgrounds leading something very different whether it's a charity whether it's a business whether it's in politics there comes points though and David you must have experienced this whether as leading Sheffield City Council or as Home Secretary
3: when people are looking at you for leadership where do you get your strength from? I think there's something inside all of us there's a tenacity there's a an ambition there's a desire to get things done to make a difference inside you whether you're in public service the charities, or you're driving a business that actually says, this is why I get up in the morning. So you've got to have something internal to yourself. The The second is the satisfaction you get back, because you do from seeing things change for the better. You You can take pride without being egotistical. There's nothing wrong with being proud of what you do and to want to do it even better. And that's why you need both... Sharp minds around you. In my case, it was special advisors as, as well as ministers. I pretty well picked my ministers. Sometimes Tony asked me to take people who I was a little bit iffy about and we had to meld people into the team. I was able to pick all my own special advisors and that really did make a difference. Mm. But in, in the end, you've got to like what you're doing. I mean, the the, the people who are un, unhappy in their skin, they they. It's very difficult to perform if you're in the wrong business or in the wrong department of a business or if you're really hating teaching or in politics, you, you're just in the wrong department. I was very lucky because education and employment were my first loves in terms of what I wanted to do and I got the job for four years. I'd then come to the conclusion that there were really big challenges for us. It turned out even bigger than I expected with the attack on the World Trade Center Mm -hmm. three months after I became Home Secretary. But the big challenges of security, of reducing crime, of dealing with the development of positive citizenship, which also had a read over in terms of immigration, the kind of things that change people's lives either for the better or the worse. And you don't get everything right. That's the other thing you've got to recognize, which is why being part of a broader team being able to take criticism but not always accept it <laughs> as a, because otherwise you blow with the wind that that that's the the measure and i think if we can share those traits those experiences those different elements through the leadership council if we can get people from very very different leadership managerial roles and delivery roles to actually be able to share that experience, everyone will gain something from it because that dialogue will inform. It will avoid people reinventing the wheel. It will take people a lot further than the the niche, for good or ill, the niche that they're in at the moment.
2: Um, David, the very in uh, the couple of minutes we have left, um, I will be mean and put you on the spot and ask you for predictions, perhaps in three things. What will happen in the Labour leadership contest? How will the next few months go for the government after Brexit? Uh, well, after we leave the European Union on the 31st of January and where will
3: Sheffield Wednesday finish in the league? Lord above. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure which is the most difficult of those <laughs> questions. I, I've already indicated where my support is for the, the Labour leadership. If we take it at the end of January 2020... Keir Starmer has clearly got a got off to a very very um strong start. I think however it will be very much down to who can reach those parts of the Labour Party membership that came in on the back of Jeremy Corbyn's election in 2015 to that post who can be persuaded that what they want to see and the change the big changes they'd like to enact can only be brought about in any form if we win and we win back the people the tragic loss of people on our side uh, mm. in december 2019 uh, and that that's got to be at least or, or kia on on the um the, the next few months i think that the government will probably do quite well i i i think that There are real dangers ahead in just having 11 months to negotiate trade deals, especially with bellicose pronouncements about we're not going to have alignment, as though alignment in itself is a bad thing when some of it will be very good. So I think there are dangers. But I think there's quite a bit of momentum going with the government at the moment, and that will be reflected in relationships, in doing deals in Europe and facing outwards to the rest of the world. Sheffield Wednesday, God help me. I mean, you know, how is it that two of the things that are most important to me, other than my f- family and loved ones, is football and, and politics? I think Sheffield Wednesday will be hard-pressed now to get into the playoffs. If we do, I think we could pull it off. But I am really reluctant.
2: And I think on that prediction, your reputation will be judged. Lord Blanket, thank you very much for joining us God today. God bless you,
0: Jonathan.